All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 344. Jason Lingren is with me, and we have a fine gentleman named Muhammad joining us. For a long time, I had been seeking speakers of what I consider to be old world languages. You may remember we searched Australia and were fortunate enough to have Munya, who was, and I know this isn't the right word, uh, from the Aboriginal upbringing. These things are important to me. I've spent nearly the entirety of my adult life looking for other cultures, other languages to read about what they think is correct and what they have been brought up learning so that I could better understand what I was told coming up. And this is one of those episodes. Uh, Muhammad was brought up an Arabic speaker. He was brought up under the Quran in the same way I was brought up Lutheran. And both of us at a certain point left the formal so-called religion to, to forge our own way. So this should be a very interesting episode. And I will further point out, if you go look at the supposed timeline of how the so-called natural sciences made it to the Western part of Europe, uh, I think Spain, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, you will be told that things like alchemy and natural science had something to do with Egypt and Greece, eventually ended up in the Middle East where the light was kept burning, and that was handed literally into the universities of Spain. That is one version of one of the claimed histories. Um, and all the more, that's why it's important. For anyone who's not quite getting it, go read the Rubiat of Omar Khayyam, uh, which is one of the books I've recommended, and it shows up in Shoot the Moon quite a bit. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And good morning. All right. Do we have anything? I'll tell you what. It's supposed to feel like 102 where I am, so I pardon my fan in the background. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be about the same here. Yeah, we'll get better by tomorrow. But if we don't have anything, let's jump. Let's do this thing. All right. Welcome, Muhammad. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you, Crow. Hey, man, it is so good to have you. And I am always very interested in learning people who speak different languages and what they were brought up with and how they contextualize or come to, let's just say, comprehend all these things that seem such a mystery in our world. Um, do you want to give any background on yourself before we jump in? Absolutely. So my name is Mohammed. I was born in Morocco, uh, and that's uh, North Africa, uh, to a Muslim family. Uh, Deeply religious, uh, kind of understood the, the Islam at a grassroots level, prayed for the majority of my life, did Ramadan, which is the fasting, and uh, moved to England at the age of 14. Um, my dad sent me over there for boarding school. So I, I started seeing the dichotomy b- b- between the two cultures. Here we are uh, living three hours away on an airplane, and we've got completely different ideology of the word. So I started doubting things and uh, I went back to Morocco. I used to go every summer and I, I joined the Sufism cult uh, to understand the, the, the occult part of Islam. And that's what was opening my eyes. And I started seeing so many things that did not make sense. Uh, Camp 1998, I moved to America uh, just to see, see what's happening there, see if I like it. I liked it. I fell in love with the country and then decided to stay and slowly started witnessing the uh, <laughs> everything that we brings us to today. So uh, I've been living in America for a long time and um, I'll consider it my country, despite uh, the accent. Uh, but, you know, when you learn a language, you learn it at a young age and it stays with you for life. So uh, I do a lot of mystical uh, healing. I, uh, I still follow some of the Sufism, the court part of it. But as far as Islam is considered, I, um, it's a con. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mind control game. Well, I think we could say that of almost all organized religions at this point. As a matter of fact, I was just rereading a book called The Light of Egypt 
And in this period of time, supposedly ruled by what they call the Archangel Michael, which we've broken down in other ways, it is claimed that all organized religion will crumble to the ground and the so-called spirituality will get back in line with natural ideas. But I've got to say, I've read a lot of things um, from Sufi sources, and there's a lot of interesting things for everyone listening. We're going to get into a lot of different things here. We're going to talk about things like, how did we get here? Animism. Why sigils matter? And do sigils have power? Um, it goes on and on. Mystic healing, 9-11. Um, there's all these ideas that we have in bullet points that were provided by Muhammad. So let's start at the beginning here. How did we get here, Muhammad? Well, you know, the Quran will tell you that God puts us here in the human body as a, as a, as a test. That's what the Quran tells you, that we were sinners. Uh, basically the same story as, as what they say in other religions. But when you get into Sufism, you start understanding uh, parts that really are not revealed in, in, in the Quran. And that is mostly, it's, this is some sort of punishment slash test. So you've got this, this uh, God's friend, because Shaitan, if you really study the, the Quran, he used to be his closest uh, angel, his, his favorite. And all of a sudden, he banishes him, and all this chaos is, is being sent on earth. But Sufism tells you a different story. It tells you that you are put in here so you can suffer. And so Shaitan, or, or as you guys refer to him as Lucifer, can have uh, his ways, and he can experiment with humanity, and can definitely get us where we are today, and even worse. So the Sufism is a little bit like Kabbalah, where it goes into the mind. It kind of gets into your subconsciousness and starts telling you, or if that's what you can become in the cult and the Sufis, who you are, what you can do, who is in charge. So we get to this realm of other entities getting involved in our world. And of course, this is across all religions and cultures. Uh, these, these entities, some refer to them as a jinn. That's what we do in Islam, uh, some as the archons. So these entities have a boss, which is the shaitan. But also there's an element inside the human mind, which many people have referred to. If you know a little bit of Carl Jung, he referred to as the shadow. But in Islam and Sufism in particular is referred to as the Karim or the doppelganger. This entity here is put in charge as an ambassador of Lucifer inside your head to basically ruin your life from day one. So you, you are born with this entity. It knows your secrets. It knows your entire history. And it is attached to you for life. Uh, so th this is this is the, the start of the conversation. When I go introduce this Karim character to the audience, make them aware. Some people know about this. Uh, if you're near a cult, if you deeply, and I ask you guys if I can ask this quick question: Have you heard of this Karim character before? I have actually. Okay, so the Karim is is not very talked about in America. I don't think so, but. The Carl Jung and the people that follow certain courses is not aware of this. So the cutting is with the entire game is played in the beginning of the existence, even today. Uh, this life was, was, was a lie, was basically uh, other entities playing with the humans to experiment on them. And we get, that's what gets us into today and the corona era. And we're about to witness that. So uh, the cutting comes and whispers ideas to you, uh, tries to ruin your life at an early stage by creating certain uh, fetishes on the sexual front, by deviating you from the norm, by having you as a, basically as a, somebody who is lost and confused, by whispering negativity to you, by uh, telling you ideas that are 
not true. So you can actually take a certain route and start influencing you. So it's the enemy that only has one and only one task is to ruin your life. And this is the beginning of Sufism. So when you realize you live with this entity that is with you day and night, well, you're going to have to watch out for yourself. You're going to have to understand this is a war. Not many people have that level of intelligence to understand that, but we all go through that phase in life. I think that around the age of seven, if you don't capture the understanding, it fleets you. Uh, so this is just my introduction to the Qareen since we, we, we start, you know, the, the conversation on that front or the shadow or the doppelganger. So I just wanted to introduce that. So let me try to build the bridge over to Western culture where the majority of the listeners that come here are familiar. Jason and I have recommended a movie. I know Jason saw it not too long ago. Uh, I do not appreciate the level of violence in this movie, but it does go to show what Muhammad is pointing out is actually known in the West and covered. The movie is Revolver and in it, it's uh, the, the whole end of, of the movie. They're, they're doing quotes from Jung and the idea of the other, that shadow in your mind. But in the movie, it's actually brought out that everybody who has no control of their life is being influenced by this supposed other side. Jason, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I finally saw it. And indeed, it was violent, quite violent. But that being said, there were a lot of concepts laced into it. But I'm guessing that most of those concepts went over most people's heads. If you can set aside the violence, there's a message there um, that I think is going to parallel exactly what we're about to, to talk to. So, Muhammad, in, in the bullet points, we're going to talk about links to the other world. So, well, the Qareen is the, is the link to the other world. Uh, the Qareen is the, is the connection to the shaitan, is connection to the spiritual world, is the connection of what is leading the show. Because most people, uh, to, to cover the Qareen, in order to know the self and to understand life, which everybody is running away from, you have to understand your Qareen. And to understand your Qareen is to kind of, you have to connect to him and see what he shows you from the other word. The other word is, is, is a whole word of jinn. Uh, the jinn is, uh, is what the archons, or you guys, I don't know if you have a better term that you can explain to the audience, but the jinn is these entities that have been here before humans, they've been on earth, and they're very upset that we're here. So what they're going to do, they're going to destroy our life. The jinn cannot create. So they're going to have to create. They don't have imagination. They have to create through us. And that's where the karin comes as the link to the other word. That's like elementals, just to draw the picture, that would probably parallel either an archon or an elemental in, in Western thought. So, yeah, so it did not have the ability to, to create, but we do. So that's when the whispering starts. Most people are not aware of this, this whispering mechanism. I was aware of it at a very young age. I remember being two, hearing a voice that I could not understand. Uh, perhaps I was born a weirdo. I, I was born a lefty. I was born... Uh, you know, as a Scorpio. So there's a lot of elements of the occult that I was born with. But, you know, to, to have this voice, I used to ask my parents, is this normal? Uh, no, it's not normal. You got to let it go. But I didn't let it go because it haunted me. I, I also have a very good memory. So I remember this, this being whispering things to me, telling me things that are about to happen, trying to scare me. And so I, I had to fight for my, for my, for my life. And it's a daily fight to this day. But most people don't know what's happening. Most people live in a state of panic. If they stay alone on a weekend, they go crazy. Uh, they can't sit alone in, in quiet and really face the shadow or the harim. So 
So this Qarin is your connection to the other world. If you really want to stop all the nonsense and understand what this is about, what this word is about. So the Qarin is, and, and to follow the bullet points we, we spoke about, is, is leads us to the black magic and the sigil and how are people taking control of our brains and our existence. So if I was going to draw a, a picture from what we all experience every day, I would use the negative aspect of the news. Why are they doing it? Well, you could start to, to say this is the Korean idea. For people listening, it's Q-A-R-E-E-N, if you want to look at it more closely. Um, from what I just heard, it made me think immediately of the description of elementals within some of the Western methods of thought. But, well, let's just keep going because I want to get into sigils. So many of the real thinkers that I have read will make the following claim. The world is run by symbols, plain flat. That will be in so many of the philosophical thinkers um, that I have studied through my life. And the power of symbols should be obvious to everyone. Why do we all have logos or why, why anything is any shape? Uh, the claim from these old thinkers is that the power of the world is run by supposedly, I guess, what we could call a sigil. So let's talk about sigils and their power and use examples from the real world if you can. Sure. So the, the sigil is the, definitely the connection to the Qarain. Uh, here in America and across the planet, governments have known about the shadow and understand in order to get to the human, uh, so, so they can do as you, you please, you must address the shadow directly or the Qarain and bypass this, uh, this uh, whatever they made of most humans. So advertising agencies use subliminal messages to get directly to your Qarain and override your senses. The old trick from the Babylon, Babylonian times, it's still being used, except this time we've got technology to, to fully control everybody. Uh, all big companies' logos are sigils uh, that, that are being designed to perfection, to, to address your subconsciousness so the shadow will follow as it's being told. Uh, of course, in the first day of commercials uh, in the 50s or even 60s, they, they used to put images and symbols that run so quick in the background. People in the court knew about this. Only the subconsciousness could see that, or the shadow. Today, the same game is, is, is played, except with phones listening to us. They even feel your vibration. The phone will feel your vibration and create fear, according to how, because you hold it the whole day. You, every seven seconds or three seconds, people are going through their phones. Uh, the propaganda is, is tailored for each individual today. So it's the same thing. The sigil, uh, so to, to explain to people what sigil is, the sigil is, you create an idea and uh, you, you put a symbol that represents that idea to yourself. Uh, maybe you guys can explain it better than me. So I, I don't know if most listeners are, are aware of that. But for me, sigil in Islam, or particularly in Sufism and the occult, let's say you want to uh, heal a certain part of your body. So you create a symbol. You sit down and spend a little time and create a symbol that represents that concept. So the idea of a sigil is you can go online and see all these ways to make it. Like some people will make a word, drop all the vowels, take all the consonants. If there's, you know, two M's or something, they only use one and they make like a logo looking shape. The idea being that they're putting their intention into this and that somehow the subconscious picks up on it. Well, it's been proven flat out that these 
shapes, logos, sigils, they work. You can look at any evening news or maybe cable news is a better example to see the use of sigils. So when you get down to the notes of bolts, because you're thinking to yourself, this is nonsense, I don't believe it. Let me bring it back around to reality. The sky clock is playing the music we all dance to. What is it about the sky clock that's different this morning than it was yesterday morning? Well, it's angles, right? It's degrees. That is the whole game when someone sits down and to do a chart on what the sky clock is showing now, which by the way, we have lost tons and tons of meaning, but it appears that the people who run the show never lost any of the meaning. So they're constantly leveraging. Oh, look, Saturn is at this angle to the sun. So we should be able to pull off all these ideas that we have. So think about what I said, angles. Now, when you make a shape or a logo, you could say, I used a triangle. Well, a triangle has a certain angle. We've said so many times, the angles of sorrow, typically 90 degrees. So there's the line I can draw that tries to demonstrate in some meaningful way that this is not just poppycock. Um, and to be honest, in terms of sigils and other things, I've looked at it, but I just, I don't want to go there. A lot of it is darker than I care to know. But Jason, you want to jump in? Man, I just can't say it enough how much corporate logos are so obviously sigils, symbols, signs. It's all interwoven in there. They know what they're doing. Yes, there's, there's no doubt. As a matter of fact, anyone can probably still do a search and uh, you know just write sigil and corporate logo and they'll get all these returns. How many people, you know, they do things like they'll take the Disney logo and try to show, look, there's three sixes in here, all these ideas. But the problem is exactly what Muhammad's pointing out exactly what the movie revolver points out you the conscious living man or woman are not picking up what's being laid down but that other that subconscious that lower level below your perception is what's picking up on it i mean how do you think i explained that very well did that did i bring it around to the real world muhammad indeed and the, the sigils just elaborate on what you said i use sigils and in black magic which i studied too and the arab word is, is very deep in the black magic uh sigil you can say you take uh, saying like for example in the olden days in morocco in order for the king to gain popularity he will sit and create a sigil that symbolized people love me so just to simplify, it would take a letter from each word, create a circle. Here is your sigil. He has that vision. His subconsciousness, which goes to the jinn word and the archon word, has that. So they put it by people's houses. They put it everywhere. So people start seeing that sigil. Slowly, the subconsciousness gets it and starts manifesting what the, the, the king's desire. So I've created many sigils. I don't know what they mean anymore. I have vision boards. I have hundreds of sigils. I never opened them, but I always created desires and a lot of them happen. So you look at it and you look at it for a long time. You put it somewhere where you can spend a lot of time. You look at it, you look at it and the subconsciousness, because this, the parin and the subconsciousness, the doppelganger, there is the realm of, of shadow, the realm of the others. Uh, I'm sure most people experience it. Some people run away from it. So that word is real. And that word does manifest in the black magic. So you do have a sigil that's created to for task, even big companies, I'm not mentioning any names, but places where you drink coffee or buy a phone, you know, those, if you understand that sigil, it's all having to do with the black magic. It's got nothing to do with, with you, the, the robot who's, who's functioning, and I'm not insulting anybody, we're robots if you choose to, but I'm referring to the subconsciousness, the one behind who's watching, who's being targeted, 
on every level. And this is not new. This is the, the, this is the latest of their technology. That's why. And we are living in the present and every present seems the most difficult. So, yeah, today is a difficult time, but the sizzles are very, very powerful. I actually recommend it for your business to just try play with it. Play with the subconscious. Put a message, put a target that you want and don't go crazy all about money and love. No, little stuff. And see a month, two, a year if that thing happens. And so, and the sigil word also connects me to the, the, the another point we discussed here and I is the animism, is objects, how objects have a life in them, how objects have souls. Well, that, that comes back around to the old uh, natural sciences. Um, and that's even still in places like Japan, the idea that every tree, every everything has a spirit or a soul. But to get back to the sigil thing, I'll try to make another example because I know a lot of people, their eyes are glazing over. First of all, when a lot of minds start thinking the same thing, the power of any given idea is intensified. So if you consider that a sigil can work, and that a lot of minds get affected, and at a subconscious level, they've all been infected the same way or affected, as may be better, then the power rises. And the example I would give is consider a thing that they now call an earworm. Okay, I woke up this morning, and for some stupid reason, I had California Girls by the Beach Boys playing in my head. And this is the example I'm using. This used to happen to me like a plague in my life because music was such an important part. And I'd do everything. Well, I'll just think of a different song. And so I would. And then eventually I'd notice, you know what? California Girls by the Beatles is playing or by the Beach Boys is playing in my head again. So finally, I'd had enough. And I started to actively say, this is my mind. I don't have to have music that I didn't turn on playing in my head. And by the way, who put that music there? kind of makes the argument for the other, doesn't it? Anyhow, what I realized within the time of a month is that I fully did have the power and I used all these techniques. So now when I wake up with a so-called earworm, I can shut it off at will. Here's how I started. I would visualize in my mind the album and I would visualize myself throwing it into the ocean. And as the album sunk, um, the music would shut off. Now, this doesn't happen instantly. I did other things, like I would light a picture of the album on fire and burn it up. I tried all these things. But after about a month, I realized I could shut it off. But the problem was it would creep back. So I got to the point after roughly 30 days where every time I became aware of it, I just shut it down. Where I am now is I can shut it down at will. I don't have that problem anymore. But my point here is what causes the so-called earworm? Who turns on that music? How does that music get there? And for that matter, why the hell is that music playing without a radio in the first place? And I think, Muhammad, I would argue it's the same idea as the sigil. That's what's turning on the music. You're absolutely right. And let me tell you a little anecdote about my life in America. When I first moved here in 1998, I bought a little car and I used to drive. So as excited as I was, I put the radio on to, to get it climatized with the American world and the culture. Uh, within a week, uh, I lay down to go to bed and I was repeating an 800 number in my head. So I had to stop. I couldn't go to sleep. I said, something is taking place and I must address it right now. I, really, I understood right away within the first week, this can't take, take place because what they're doing is this repetitiveness, the silliness of throwing an 800 number in there and your subconsciousness just accepts it. So the same thing with commercials. So I decided I do not watch American TV. I do not listen to American radio. I read the news to stay 
cultured, but I listen to the British. Now you'll say, well, you, you listen to the British. Well, for two reasons, to keep the accent. I'm, I'm well aware of their own propaganda, but I realized, well, the British accent is such a lovely thing. The Karin has came up with the idea to keep it to be successful in America. So to tell you the power of the Karin, if you can tame him and let him work for you, you can achieve miracles. But to do that, you have to go through a very, very dark alley that I don't think a lot of people can, can actually endure. So I, I actually, what you just said, I view in a slightly different way. The way that I came at it is this is my mind. And if I can say that, and it's going to be true, then I have to be able to control my thoughts. Um, that's the way I went at it. But let's, let's not mince any words here. The idea of the Korean is Jung's idea of the other the shadow. Um, it is also apparently when you start getting the idea like gin, we call them genies, the gin, this is the idea of all the occult writers talking about supposed elementals. This also all relates to things that you can still find in places in Asia. Like that tree has a spirit, that rock has a spirit. They're all part of nature. They're interconnected. And therefore I owe them respect. All these ideas are slightly different versions of the same thing. But I would point out in the Western tradition, I can't really off the top of my, I mean, there is the idea of Satan, the other, but in a, in a usable way that people would think about it, there's really no surface narrative that points this out until you get some terribly violent movie like Revolver and it's in your face and you're forced to think about it. There is the concept of demonic possession and all that and being led astray because you're having uh, unpure thoughts, but that's some more of the uh, stricter versions of Christianity, I would say. Well, it's a good example. And I would point people back, what is it, 72, I'm guessing, when The Exorcist came out. That movie hit this country like 10 tons of bricks. I can't ever explain certain cultural events, and The Exorcist was one of them. Why did that hit so hard? There has to be something deeper, more, uh, more foundational level in all minds when something like that really shakes the foundations of everybody. I mean, I remember people running out of the theaters. Um, I wasn't allowed to see it until I was, I don't know, I think the first time I finally saw it, I was 16 and it scared the living hell out of me at age 16. Um, there's something about these ideas. And for my money, they're all relating to the underlying ideas that we're talking about that get expressed in different ways by different cultures. In other words, everyone's going to talk about this. They're just going to use the language, the dress, the clothes, and the costumes that are particular to that, that culture. I mean, what would you add, Mohammed? Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that is, uh, each culture, is fol each folklore, uh, each place has its history. Here in America, it's a young country. So the, the each country I've lived in has a complex Karin. Each country has the, the, the archetype Karin. The Moroccan Karin is very powerful. He, he knows history. He's old living. The American Karin is still naive. But I think he's been brought up to date with the 9-11, which we'll tackle later, and this collective consciousness. That's, that's what he's working on, is the collective consciousness slash collective and, and, and conscious to fully dominate the human so but you we, we tackled little animism here and there the animism i used to see objects as, uh, as beings and when i was little almost to the age of 12 i could see the soul of each object in fact i, I used to look at things and i see a face and it kind of fades um again when you say this our oh, people think well you're a weird kid i have no problem admitting i was a weird kid but these things took place and it happened and i didn't share with anybody but i 
kept memories and I knew there was something to do with the other word, which exists. Things have space and hold memories. Uh, their vibration, of course, is much lower than ours. That only young kids and well-trained individuals can understand animism. Uh, you can have an object spread your intention or help you push an idea if you prepare it the, the right way. Uh, so like touching objects, talking to them is, is a daily practice of mine because I connect with things. I have objects since the 80s, uh, old clocks, things that remind me of this and that. And I can touch it and it will touch the soul of my granddad. So the pattern of which human gets the information from objects. And this happens without you. Uh, I mean, I feel it. I, I sense it. I hear it. But this is something I've been practicing since I was a, a kid. I didn't want to let go of this special feelings, connections to pattern. So most humans are completely unaware of the, the, the communication taking place. Uh, a magic practice in Morocco and the Arab world is to obtain an object that belongs to a target and whisper you desire, uh, what you desire done to that person into, into the object. Uh, it has understood that connection between a person and his belonging form, from a link that lasts forever. So the Qareen feels that and the Qareen uh, never dies. So when you die, the Qareen just stays in the realm of, of, uh, of this earth to understand, to, to help other Qareen to, to fulfill the agenda. And that's, that's commonplace to, to the Islamic religion. What you're stating now, that's a commonplace thought. As far as the, the magic and the animism? Yeah, things like Kareem and, and how, how it affects a living man or a woman. It's in Sufism. It's in the Quran, but a lot of people don't understand it. As a matter of fact, I've, I've been talking to a lot of people that claim to be Muslim, and I've introduced them to the Qareen, and they were like, yes, there's this surah, surah, which is a chapter in the Quran that talks about it. But if, I think it's hard, and I think you guys have this connection with your other. Uh, if you don't form it at a young age, it's very hard for people to understand it because it becomes like a dream. Some people are very good at connecting to the dream world and remembering both realities. Uh, so this is something you start formulating at a young age to have that link because otherwise it starts uh, to fade. Well, I could, I could point out when you started to say that the Islamic culture is run by sigils, I immediately recalled that in the artwork of the Islamic world or the Muslim world, there's really no human forms. I, I think it's even rare to see birds or something portrayed. It's all geometric patterns. And so what I instantly comprehend is that those are all angles and that that has a vibratory rate. And so I'm guessing someone who was brought up where you are has a much you're affected at a deeper level by the idea of what shapes are and what angles are, because in our culture, um, the shapes are there, just not at the same frequency. Yeah, that's, that's right, because we get introduced to geometry and then the power. For example, Kaaba, which is in, uh, in Saudi Arabia, that massive rock that the, the human go and worship and go crazy about. It, the geometry of that addresses the pattern directly. Uh, you know, so all these things are... You are just riding with the Qareen. If we're talking about the spiritual world and this journey, if you don't have this connection, you just sit in there and let in another entity being influenced by the controllers. So there is definitely, the, if people can't feel it in today's world, uh, in, in, the, in the 2020 and going forward, if they can't understand that there is something influencing them, uh, I don't know when they will understand it, but I believe uh, with every... Uh, element in me that there are people like us, the special people that they can't control. I don't know what it is, but we are, we, we can't be touched. 
that our cutting our connection, these people cannot influence this. It's like, uh, you know, what's happening. Let me give you a little scenario. Just uh, you go outside, it's a beautiful weather, you see the sun, you feel the heat, everybody is wearing an, uh, a coat and holding an umbrella. You turn the news, they say it's raining, but you start thinking, am I the crazy one? Or, well, if you're deep into the occult and you have a deep connection to the, the other word, you walk strong and believe that what you're thinking and seeing is right. And don't be in a trance. Because what, what's happening today, and I'm, I'm just mentioning things and you can guide the conversation about trance, but we are definitely in a state of trance. But to, to go back to animism, uh, you guys have to understand the power of objects and the geometry, as you said, uh, the obelisks, the, the, you know, all the monuments. I, when I used to fly back from Europe, uh, I will see shapes, the, the things, architecture is sh uh, across the world as you fly, you see things shaped like uh, something to appeal to something from above to see. So, and even if people that do out of body trips can, can actually relate to that, seeing shapes as you exit or go above the earth. So exactly what you just said, I can give another perfect example that was such a big deal in my young life, uh, Led Zeppelin. There's a Led Zeppelin album called Presence. Now, that's a funny <laughs> word because it could be someone is present or someone can be giving you a presence. So they're absolutely forcing your mind to think about the two meanings that are common. But on the table is an object with a shape. Yet the name of the album is Presence. What they are encoding there is exactly what you just tried to lay down, Mohammed, in my view. I mean, what do you think, Jason? You ever think about the album cover Presence? Well, you want to talk about sigils, look what's all over Jimmy Page's Marshall stacks. He's got sigils uh, all over the place, and the entire Led Zeppelin IV album is all about that. He made, actually, that we're told, Page made a sigil for each of the members. And so I want to point these things out, because a lot of people, I think, would hear um, from the cultural point of view of Muhammad, and their eyes are glazing because they can't relate it. So what I'm trying to do is show um, it's the same as it ever was where we are. It's just never talked about or understood yet. How in the hell did Zeppelin come up with an album like presence and then create a logo sigil for each member of the band. And this was one of the most successful bands in the world. I would argue. Are you familiar with Zeppelin at all, Muhammad? Oh yeah, of course. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I also can mention Pink Floyd, uh, but you know, the occult has always existed. I mean, the, the, the British yep. always deep in that. I mean, the queen had the John, John, somebody, I mean, D John D. Yes. So uh, in Morocco, just in my days in the seventies, we knew the king had a, a room where Sufis prayed nonstop. They changed ships. So they keep the link with the jinn. The, the, there's always uh, people in high positions always know the secrets of the occult. It's us, the mugs that just come for this journey, like, you know, just walk like a sheep. Some of us know the truth, but it's very hard to penetrate. It, it seems to me as this, this is hermetically sealed. Even though when you can do an out-of-body trip, you can't just exit. This is hermetically sealed uh, envi environment for, for the spirit and the soul. And the Karin and you are stuck in this body. You know, it's it's interesting to me as I'm putting together your cultural observations on the very same things that I look at using probably different software or even the way I think about it, <laughs> but influencing from a, a distance. Well, that that is part of the definition of what a sigil is. Some dude on the other side of the world made a sigil that becomes commonplace in business, ends up on every drinking cup or car or wherever that sigil goes, and that is influence from a distance. But if you keep going down through the layers, 
That means every mind, and there may have been millions of minds that have been affected subconsciously by what's in the sigil, is like adding gasoline to the fire. So now there's 2 million minds. Now there's 8 million minds. All that is a version of influencing from a distance, isn't it? Oh, indeed. Of, of course, influencing from distance. And even in the animal kingdoms, the so-called scientists, sometimes they run this experiment of monkeys in different islands and they teach a monkey certain thing and then miles away the other monkey. So you have to understand when, when you go to sleep and when your shadow goes to the, the dream and spirit world, they exchange ideas. They, they know what's taking place. This is, uh, as a little kid, I used to remember those dreams. But as you get older, you don't keep the same vivid imagination and same, and same pictures that you, you used to see. Uh, so maybe I experienced some of that doing an out-of-body experience, and a lot of your uh, listeners are familiar with that. But I picked up on the out-of-body experience during trances in the Sufism cult. When I was in Morocco, I joined the Pareja uh, Bucici, is a sect of Sufism, where people, you know, start breathing heavily and repeating the same word. And there's a leader in the middle who kind of controls everybody. And then within 10, 15, 20 minutes, you kind of get into a trance. And then you uh, completely, the, your body is, is just under control of the, 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 the sex leader. And uh, so here, I, I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with trance. You can even do a solo trance. Uh, I do it all the time. And that kind of leads to the out-of-body experience. So uh, being out-of-body is meaning to lower your vibration, to be able to tr trick your parin into thinking that he is uh, uh, not paying attention. And all of a sudden, you exit the body. But that has to happen with mantras. You have to have sounds in the background. You have to have uh, things that kind of involve your senses. So this, this, this is a great practice for people to be elevated and see from a higher position what's taking place on this matrix. I've never really heard it put quite that way, but I will point out that the first time I was ever forced to have to confront what is a dream, where do we go? I was studying Tibetan Buddhism, and then by proxy, the older Indian kind of foundational things that ended up going to Buddhism. And I bumped into this guy who wrote a book about dream meditation. And at first I was like, yeah, right. Well, they documented, I mean, they basically proved that a guy in America could go to sleep and meet up with his mentor in China. And they did all these things that demonstrated somehow they would both go to sleep and they would just as if they were talking face to face or on a telephone. And that forced me to look at what the heck is a dream. And there are people to this day who claim that when you are in a dream, you are not here. But Jason, I think I heard you coming in there. Is drug use involved at all? And if not, why not? Well, uh, drug use, uh, let me tell you the experience. In Morocco, I smoked weed for the first time when I was about 14. And the shadow just possessed me. I mean, it was the farin was taking control. I was freaked out. Uh, I, I couldn't handle that much power. So I didn't touch it till the age of 30. And even then the shadow came, you know, strong because they don't want you to penetrate that word. And I just crossed over. And yes, uh, that's the only drug I've ever used. I don't, I call it an herb. It's legal in where I am. And uh, it does miracles. I mean, magic and, and marijuana are very connected. In fact, if you study the Arab uh, history, hashishin, the assassins, these two smoke hashish and just get into this massive trance and go and uh, pillage and then and, and bring back all sorts of things. So yes, uh, this uh, drugs, and then not to abuse it, because some people smoke weed to get silly and then to, 
no, 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 there's a magical connection with that because it definitely opens the gate. It, it, it connects. It builds a bridge between you and your parin. And if you can control him and overtake, and it's, it's not an easy task, I keep saying that. I had to spend a whole year in solitude to understand all of this. And now every Sunday, I spend the entire day in solitude. I don't listen to anything. I keep my eyes closed if I can, and I just breathe very heavily and try to stay connected to the other word. This other word is only penetrable through lowering your vibration, your status mind, because we are a status mind. We vibrate. They, they got the majority of people right now in a trance. People are headless chicken, scared, terrified. They don't know what's happening, what's taking place. Is it Armageddon? Well, if you really connect to your shadow, you'll know exactly what's taking place. You know, it's interesting to hear the way that you associate the Korean with you first getting high. I got high my whole life mm -hmm. until I went into the Marine Corps. And by the time I got back from the Marine Corps, pot had become really strong. Mm -hmm. But it was then that I realized how could I have been getting my high my whole life? But now when I do it, I can't. The, what I, the way I describe it is the veil gets too thin and I can't stand what I'm aware of. And what was interesting is I later, to relate this back to the natural sciences, I started thinking, well, I grow all these herbs in my garden, and I know that this sage is related to the sun, supposed to be a sun herb. So I looked up pot. And if I remember correctly, and I'm guessing, I know one of the relations is Saturn. I think the other one is supposed to be Uranus. Maybe it's Neptune. I think it's Uranus. I can't remember. It's one of those. But when you begin to go down these roads, hearing you describe it in the way you did and the way that I describe it in the way I did, there's a similar thing going on there. It's just looked at slightly different. Of course. And it's, it's the same thing. I mean, we, we are reaching a point of no return. Uh, whoever is running the show, and I believe this happens every cycle, is reaching a climax. It's reaching the crescendo. So... Uh, it's across the globe. We're all humans. It's just the different histories. I come from a deep history from, uh, you know, Morocco has been around the court of apparently a long time. So the shadow is very antiquated with, with things and understand the deep word of, of uh, manipulation and how to manipulate humans. Uh, in fact, when I came to America, I was baffled how Americans were so naive. Uh, very nice people. And in fact, that's the downfall. This is how America was so easy to take over. Uh, because people were so naive. They didn't suffer. They didn't go through hard times to, to learn and understand. But, you know, they've been taken over. And then this is why I, I refer to the other trance. The trance is, is the state. The, the controls have put humanity into slowly. The world was always a mess. But here in the USA, it was always the exception. How can this evil global government fulfill the agenda of Satan all over Earth? <laughs> Because we got such cool stuff, it's easy to sleep. It was done basically through entertainment and materialism from my point of view, but I know exactly what you're laying down. You know, Jason, remember what I read you the other day out of the light of Egypt? I should, I should read that small excerpt before we close out hour one. Yeah. Did you have it? All right. For everybody listening, I talk about this book a lot and mostly it's because it gets your mind to think in a different way. And I will further point out a lot of the things written in the light of Egypt, by the way, volumes one and two, I have both those in one book. It's written so that it will mean one thing to a person at a certain level, and it'll mean wholly different or much more to someone at another level. Here's their idea of the archangels. 
according to this older way of thinking, which is what most astrologers and other places like Rosicrucians, they all seem to accept the similar idea here. And maybe we can get Muhammad to comment. So this is what the light of Egypt, which supposedly was written by an initiated master and released in the year 1881, because that supposedly from their point of view was when we entered the age of Aquarius. Here's what they say about this age. This is the age we exist in. And just to be clear, from 1881 to 2188, I think, is the age of Michael or our current age. Here it is. At the end of the year AD 1880, the great archangel Michael comes into power and once more has the government of the world until the year AD 2188. So from 1880 to 2188. This is the era they're claiming. This will be a period of imperial greatness. Empires will shine of full glory. The human intellect will have full play. And all churches, religious creeds, ecclesiastical dogmas will fall to the ground and become things of the past. Parsons, vicars, and bishops will have to work in different fields if they mean to obtain an honest livelihood. Yes, I repeat this prophecy. The churches and chapels will fall with a terrible crash and be destroyed. But from their ashes, Phoenix-like, shall rise the new religion, whose shining motto will be Veritas Excelsior, truth above. This era shall proclaim the rights of man and woman, because they didn't write that in here, which is to their loss. It is essential It is essentially the age of reason dreamed of by Bruno and Thomas Paine. During the reign of this angelic intelligence, meaning Michael, the masculine element will receive the solar influx and obtain its highest development. Intellect and reason will remove most of our social disorders and women will receive more attention in worldly affairs. But at the same time, it is not a feminine period by any means. Mankind under this rule will become physically and intellectually immensely superior to what they are now. Startling discoveries in chemistry, electricity, and all physical sciences will be brought to light. Steam will be superseded with compressed air or gas. Electro-progress will dawn upon the world. Oh, electromagnetism, or what he's calling atomic power, as the motive power will rise. In fact, a new era of progress will dawn upon the world as time and space will be annihilated by new transportation and new communication. Last but not least, science and religion will become blended. Spiritual intercourse and acknowledged fact and psychologically a special study from the melding of science and religion or spirituality. Anyhow, that was a big mouthful for people, but I thought it was an interesting point of view uh, to the common era. Uh, what's your take on it, Muhammad? That period that they're claiming from 1880 to 2188. It definitely speaks to something, again, I'll refer to Sufism, where they say there's Dajjal. Uh, and are you familiar with the Dajjal? Um, I'm not sure. What is it specific? What's the, what's the common word? Uh, Dajjal, oh, it could be the Antichrist. I call him the trickster. Okay, yes, I, I know where you're going. Okay, so the the Dajjal is a, it, there's a Dajjal for each period. Uh, they, in Islam or in Sufism, in Sufism, they say every hundred years. They'll call him Sahib Zaman Dajjal, the, the, the guy of the time who comes and 
puts his twist on, on, on the word on, on that era. So that's, that's the closest I can relate to what you said. It definitely, it's very prophetic, uh, what, what you read. I've never read that before. Well, so, so what I'm hearing from you is you took the, the tails. There's heads and tails, duality here, a dark side, a light side. From my point of view, the idea of Michael is more beneficial Mm. not as bad. It's going to be what it's going to be. He is the governor. But I, recently, I don't know if you caught it. Um, Jason, and I broke down the movie, Michael, which is a complete encode about the sun in the, in the, in the reign of Michael and the entirety of the sky clock. All right. So I'm just going to wrap up here, Jason. Muhammad, do you want to get contacts from people or would you prefer to show up in comments and put a link or something? You're an hour one. So if you utter an email, you'll be overwhelmed. No, no, no. I don't want to talk to you directly, but uh, as far as uh, comments and stuff, uh, I mean, people can comment. That's fine. Okay. So you'll be in comments. Uh, Jason, anything you want to add before I wrap up our one of three, four, four? Well, I'm just looking at what we haven't covered yet on the notes here, and you've got something labeled as hidden in plain sight. We definitely need to cover this in hour two because we normally call that revelation of the method. Right. He's also got some things about the jinn, which got changed to be the idea of a genie, the rubbing of the magic lamp in the Western world. We'll talk about the Matrix, 9-11. Uh, interesting point here called frogging the Americans, but the Karen uh, as it relates to sexuality and then again, the trickster Dijal. And I would point out is even look at the Marvel movies. You got your hero, then you got your trickster Loki. Same idea going on. Everyone has their version, but we're also going to touch on the Akashic Records, which I'm very interested uh, from hearing the point of view of an Arabic speaker. But that does bring hour one of episode 344 to a close. Uh, I hope you'll join us all at crow777radio.com for the full two-hour-plus episode, and that is crrow777radio.com. And lastly, I'd like to wish everyone a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. And what is that era? In the eyes of the West, this would be the reign of the archangel Michael. There it is, man. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing. <laughs>